So as we kind of pivot, we're going to hear from our elders, from three of our elders, from Jeff Forster, Larry Short, and Dan Amos, because we are finishing our journey through the book of Acts. We've been trying to investigate what does it mean to live as Jesus' witnessing community. And as we've gone, I believe, 20 weeks into that journey, we're going to stop today and reflect, and we're going to hear what it is that the Lord has been speaking to us. How do we not just move on? How do we capture what the Lord has been trying to teach us, what He's been trying to lead us into and take that to heart. So I'm going to pray uh, for our elders team as they come up to share. So dear God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your overwhelming grace. We thank you that you have adopted us into your family. We thank you that you have accepted us as your apprentices. That by the power of your spirit, you have promised to lead us into all truth. By the power of your Spirit, you have promised to make us new. To shape us into these holy reflections of you, Jesus, in this world. So that the world might see you in a tangible way. Not because of us, but because of your power at work in us. That they might know your love that they might experience your rescue, your breakthrough, and that they might walk in a newness of life that is both strength for today and bright hope for eternity. So as your shepherds come, as these elders come, to encourage us, to build us up, to challenge us and to point us to you. Would you speak through them and in them? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Larry Short, and I'm one of the elders here. So, sorry, Mary, what's the question? Oh, you were supposed to take it during the song. Oh. <laughs> I left mine on my chair. I'm going to take it afterwards. <laughs> I wasn't sure. If you haven't taken communion, we can take it uh, together after. So I know what you're thinking. What's up with the weird hat? <laughs> right? And uh, I'll just say all will be revealed in due time. Um, it's a privilege for me to be able to share with you this morning. It's been, uh, Ryan said 20 weeks. I counted 19 sermons on, this, on the book of Acts in 20 weeks, five months uh, in this series since Ryan first arrived, and it's been a huge blessing in my life. I don't know about you guys, but I'm so glad he's here. Um, thank you, Jesus. Amen. But um, our charge was to kind of look at what was it in those 20 weeks that where God really spoke to our hearts. And that's a tough call, because I love so much of it, but what ended up sticking out for me, was a sermon that uh, Ryan preached on August 1st called Raising the Temperature of Your Witness. And I loved it because it was incredibly practical, uh, it was inspiring, and it was also very convicting for me personally. 
And I'm one of those guys, I don't know, you may, you may be, I'm going to start my, my clock here because I only have eight minutes. It's going to be a miracle if I can get through this, so pray for me. <laughs> you know me. Uh, <laughs> I told the guys here, give me a sign, just walk up at eight minutes, you know, if you need to. Um, so I'm one of those guys that, uh, I was extremely bashful as a kid, believe it or not, and um, I, uh, it's always given me the willies, the idea of sharing my faith. Anybody else like that here? And I just, I had a cold turkey experience with it when I was 14 years old. That's five decades ago. Um, at a church I was attending in Riverside, California, uh, the youth leaders had the brilliant idea, let's take all the kids and get them out to the mall and let's do cold turkey witnessing in the mall. And I'm like, oh no, please, dear Jesus. But I did it, you know, because I thought I wanted to comply and I wanted to do, so here's what we did. We, we took our great big huge Bibles and we went to the center of the mall and and uh, they released us like wild dogs. And <laughs> we spied out our victims, our potential victims. And we walked up to them, I kid you not, and said, hey, uh, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? <laughs> and honestly, this was my first experience with social distancing because people, they got this look of fear in their eyes. <laughs> and they said, oh. I gotta go. Sh- I gotta go shop. I go go to, go pick up something for my wife. And they headed it straight into Victoria's Secret, where they knew I wouldn't follow this kid with the Bible, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> every single one of them fled the scene in terror. And uh, I just, at the end of that, I plopped down on a bench and I threw the Bible down on the bench. And I said, I didn't throw it. I placed the Bible on the bench. And I, I said, God, this is not for me. I'm not. A, I'm not. I can't witness. I'm not your witness, right? This is this is a horrible experience. And. It was compounded by a guy, a guy tapped me on the shoulder, and I looked up. I had my head in my hands. I looked up. He said, hey, I've been watching you. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> and he walked away. <laughs> and so five decades, fast forward five decades. I'm sitting here on August 1st listening to a sermon on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, a sermon titled Raising the Temperature of Your Witness. And I'll tell you, my temperature was pretty hot. My ears were burning as I was remembering that moment 50 years earlier, uh, sitting at the mall and trying to share my faith and, and probably driving people away from Jesus rather than toward him and, and uh, kind of what that did in my life. Um, but as I was listening, and the interesting thing was Ryan was made mention at one point about how we have to put up with a little awkwardness sometimes, you know, for the sake of the gospel. And for, you know, we have to risk being a, a little bit awkward. And I thought, boy, did I risk being awkward, you know? <laughs> but he also said, but don't, don't act like idiots. <laughs> he didn't say that. That was my, what, I, what I heard. And, uh, and, but uh, what I picked up out of that sermon, what I've been trying to apply in my life, has um, changed me. And I believe it will make incredible changes in our church if we would take it to heart. One of the, one of the things that Ryan said there, was be available. Be available first to God, stay connected to the vine, realize that we're to depend on the Holy Spirit uh, to speak to us, to give us the words to say, to, to find the opportunities. Be available to people, have, uh, have margin in our lives. I didn't, I don't know about you, but I didn't do very good as uh, having much margin in my life. I just ran to the limits. So I've been trying to build in margin to my life, to have space for people and um, God has done something very interesting in that with me. And I'll just give you one uh, example, and then I'll talk about my hat a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, God has brought a young man into my life who, um, when, when I first met him, I thought, wow, this guy is just really far away from the Lord. And as I 
was talking to him. I asked him the question that Ryan recommends we talk, ask, and asked him about his faith uh, background, and he said, well, I'm a Norse pagan. <laughs> and I went, okay, <laughs> that's different. Kind of reminded me of my hat a little bit, you know? That's not what I, what I wore the hat for, but... Um, began meeting with this young man weekly. We get together weekly, and, um, and he uh, has gone through some incredible moments, times of crisis as part of this. And I've sought to just kind of love on him, be there for him, pray for him. And we've, we've, we've talked about the book of John together and tried to figure out who Jesus was. And he's start, he started watching The Chosen. If you guys have seen that, it's pretty incredible. And uh, one week as we were studying John, uh, he said, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself a Jesus follower yet, but I feel like I'm getting closer. I feel like God is drawing me. And he's experienced some real crisis in his life. Uh, he at one point told me he thought all his friends had abandoned him, and I, I hadn't. I was, I was there still, you know, with him and talking to him. And, um, and I don't, honestly don't know what God's going to do with all this. Um, I do know uh, Ryan is great at these little illustrations, right? Remember this? Hot tamales, right? Um, and I've been kind of reserving this bag of hot tamales. I actually hate hot tamales, so I, <laughs> I haven't been really excited about digging into them. But um, this week, um, the young man I was meeting with told me that he um, had met with another pastor. Not, he, he's attended here occasionally, but he met with another pastor. And uh, he told the pastor that he had decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> Amen? And he's not here today because he's being baptized <laughs> in that other church. So if you'll uh, pardon me, I'm just going to open this up here. And I'm going to try a hot tamale. Oh, they're really chewy. And they're hot. We'll see if I can continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that Ryan really said during that message that stuck in my craw was that <laughs> was that um, we should take the things that we love and invite people who don't yet know Jesus into them. And that spoke to me because you may have heard I love mushrooms, right? And I kind of fell into this with my kids when we first moved out here. I was looking for something to do with them, get them out from behind the TV set, and so we started hunting for wild mushrooms, and we kind of became, my son now is really an expert in this, uh, Nathan, and another sermon, uh, Ryan, you know, t asked us about the, the gift that's near and dear to our hearts that we would give an honored guest in our home, and I half-jokingly called out dehydrated mushrooms. Well, the truth is, this is a hat. It's made out of 100% dehydrated mushrooms. My son gave it to me. It was created by a Romanian artist. I don't, you probably can't see it, but it's got a little mushroom on the side of it. Every fiber in here is made out of mushroom. It's also uh, something they used to use in the dark ages for tinder, so it's highly explosive, so they warn you to keep away from open flame. <laughs> but uh, I thought, after hearing Ryan share that, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll start... Uh, and, you know, I'm on this thing called Nextdoor, if you guys know what that is. It's a website for neighborhoods to kind of get together. And, and I saw that they had special interest groups on there, so I thought, I'll start a special. And so there was none for mushrooms. I don't know why. Everybody's interested in mushrooms. So I started a, a, a special interest group for people who want to go out in the forest to hunt mushrooms. So I've invited, now 12 of my neighbors have joined it. I've invited them to take forays with me 
out in the forests in the fall, hunting for exotic edible mushrooms, by the way, just edible mushrooms. And, um, and so my neighbors are going to be stuck with a Jesus freak out in the wilderness <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> and uh, some of you in here have gone with me in, on my forays. Mary, I know I lost you once in the woods, but I recovered. Mary's still here. I could recovered Mary, fortunately, uh, <laughs> with a little help from Mary. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have a great time. So I would ask you guys to pray for me as we, we do this. As I, I, I've got two or three forays planned this fall out in, out in the, the woods. And I'm hoping, and I can take up to six people at a time, hoping just to get to know my neighbors. And I can give you a 15-minute speech, if you want, on how mushrooms prove the existence of God. <laughs> so <laughs> just ask me about that one. But um, the other two points in, in uh, Ryan's sermon, real quickly, were uh, to... Um, Eagerly discover what is God doing in the lives of people around you, to listen, to pray for them, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you opportunities to be a blessing to them and pour into their lives. And then finally to invite them, invite them into life with God. And that's where it can be a little awkward, it can be a little challenging. But if God is preparing them, working on their heart, um, you may not pick the fruit just like my friend, you know, I didn't lead him to Christ, but I, I, I was able to eat a hot tamale because I had the chance to, to witness, witness to him and share with him. That's what God calls us to do. We're, we're not the, the deal closers or anything like that. Like I used to think when I was a kid, I had to close the deal, you know, or whatever. But he just asks us to, to love on people, get to know them, spend time with them, and witness to them as part of his witnessing community. So I'm going to introduce uh, my, my brother, Dan. The man whom I've grown to love and respect greatly over 25 years almost that we've known each other here. Longer than that. Well, I've only been here 25 years, so it's longer for you, I know. <laughs> and uh, Dan's going to share a bit of his heart today. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I don't have a mushroom hat or hot tamales. I just have a three by five card with some jotted notes. Um, so, 20 weeks of Acts, and the, what, was, what was coming to me was more of a, this is the start of the church, and why the church, you know, uh, why don't we just do this at home or whatever, but, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to give you something more, and he, he said, Peter, you're going to be the rock, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church on you, and, uh, but I've got to go, because unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And the Holy Spirit came and he built the church. He empowered the church and he gave it structure. And why is that important? You know, we're in, we're in a time where uh, with COVID, the churches, many churches are disintegrating. Or for us, it's a chance to reboot. You know, uh, things have just been off the last couple of years, but we have the opportunity to either go away or get going. And you're all here today. We're getting going. And, and you know what's, what's great about the church is I see old friends. And not so old, but, you know, longtime friends who I haven't seen in a long time. They're here today. And that is, to me, is just really cool. But why, why do we get together as a church? You know, we've got some structure, and it started with the elders. You know, uh, they were teaching and preaching, and so they were spreading the word. And then they found that there was so much other work to do, they said we need deacons. And, and that's uh, something that Ryan is working with the elder board on, is, is uh, establishing more structure. Not to have structure, because structure is boring, 
but to have structure to accomplish things. And that's where it's, it, you know, the structure is not going to go out and witness. The structure is going to enable it. It's going to empower it. Uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's going to uh, empower it. But that's where you get your teaching. And, and you saw that in, in Acts, where the elders were teaching and they established deacons. And those deacons didn't just have the tasks of, you know, uh, caring for the, the elderly, caring for those who were in need. You know, you, you saw Stephen who was preaching and the Holy Spirit empowered him as a deacon. He, he was bringing, what was it, thousands? It said thousands were hearing the word because of this guy in the church. And so we get together and we, we grow together. I learn from Larry's stories. I, I learn from your stories. Uh, hopefully sometimes you might actually learn from me. But, you know, sitting in a men's Bible study on a Thursday night, uh, hearing what you're getting from the Word is different than maybe what I'm getting from the Word and because there's so much more to it and I'm just not hearing it all. And so I learn from you. So that is why we, you know, part of the reason that we come together and, you know, we're going to give here in a little bit uh, and, and, and give it away to two of just many, many great, great needs. But as a group, there's power. We can make changes in our society, and our society is kind of, you know, messed up. Um, you know, the worldview that's out there is something that makes us different. We are so very different because we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they're teaching us about God's way. And that's, you know, if, if we were to just go out into our own homes uh, and just do little home churches, the time may come when that happens, but it's important to have that solid footing on doctrine. You know, doctrine's a boring word, but really what it is is just what God said, okay? And it makes us different. Um, so that's why we come together. We, we are a body. We are a community. Um, and we build each other up. And I learn from you and you learn from me. And that's what I've been pulling out of Acts, is just how important that is and how God set that up. This wasn't just an accident. He did this on purpose. And that's what I got from Acts. And now, Jeff is going to come up and he's going to tell you something completely different uh, about what God has been teaching him. Thank you, Dan. I want to um, revisit a little bit of what Ryan preached to us on August 15th, and that had to do with um, um, Cornelius and Peter and uh, the events that took place um, for the both of them. So there are two points of emphasis that I want to, to bring into, to, to uh, bring us back into. And the first one is that faith reveals itself through action. Faith reveals itself through action. If you look through the scripture, you find that this is true and abundantly clear. Um, in the book of James, it says, uh, he says that faith without works is dead. Exactly. 
faith without works is dead. He also says it's useless, which is to me even uh, uh, at times a more vibrant term. It has no use. There's nothing to do with a faith that doesn't exhibit action, that doesn't live itself out. It might, in fact, simply be dead. Jesus talks about uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan and being a good neighbor. The good neighbor is not the one who walks by that uh, wounded person and, and loves him in his heart, but the one who actually takes him in, the one who cares for him, the one who, um, who actually loves him indeed in action. And Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches and that will produce much fruit. Again, action, action flows from a true faith. Jesus says that wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, by the actions, again, that are taken. I could go on and on about that. It's all throughout Scripture. The second thing, the first thing is faith reveals itself in action. The second thing is that faith is exercised without a roadmap. Very impactful to me personally. Faith is exercised without a roadmap, without all the clarity that I want, without all the details that I'd like, without all the third, fourth, fifth steps so that I can either approve it or take confidence in the plan and not in the creator, not in the planner of it all. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's faith. And without that faith, it's impossible to please God. Think about Abraham far back in the Old Testament. He gathered up his belongings. He gathered up everything he had. He gathered up his family, and he left, and he went out. He went out to a place he didn't know where he was going. I try to imagine what that would be like to simply walk out and trust that the one telling me to go was going to take care of the rest, that I don't need to know what's going to happen down the road, but I'm just going to step out and go. That's what he did. That's our example. Remember Moses who said, if you, Lord, if you don't go with us, don't send us. We want your presence with us. That's what's important. He didn't ask for a roadmap. He said, I want your presence. That's enough. So why these two points to remember? Well, as I said, they're exemplified in the account of Peter and Cornelius the centurion. And that, by the way, that's Acts 10, again, August 15th, if you want to go back and look at those um, after our time here, I invite you to do that. Uh, I went back and I watched Ryan's sermon again, and, and it was good, and I'm glad I did, and I might do it again, so go ahead. So recall what took place, just really quickly, you don't have to get into the text yourself, but I'll just recall that. Cornelius had a vision, an angel came to him and told him to dispatch men, go find this guy named Peter. Peter, in the meantime, goes into a trance, a sheet comes down from heaven with all these unclean animals, and he's prompted and is told to kill and eat something that a good Jewish person would not do three times. So then Cornelius's men, who he dispatched, arrive where Peter is, Peter welcomes them, gives them lodging, and then the next morning leaves with them. Peter arrives at Cornelius' place. They talk, and Peter shares the good news of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. 
an amazing time. So what made possible the events in this story? Well, going back to those points that I brought up, both Peter and Cornelius took action. They didn't have simply a faith that believed something. They took action. They took action on the instructions that they were given. Cornelius sent for Peter. Peter willingly hosted and then went and visited foreigners. Again, something that a a Jewish person would not do. They took action. Secondly, they exercised faith without a roadmap. They didn't know all the things that were coming. They didn't understand all that was to take place in the upcoming hours and moments. Cornelius didn't know Peter would actually come. He sent for him. He didn't know he would come. He was, in fact, a Jew who was not supposed to visit Gentiles. But he's going to send for him anyway, so he did. He followed the Lord's instructions. Peter set off to visit the home of an unclean man, a foreigner, not truly knowing the purpose of his visit. Both of them take action in the midst of some uncertainty. There's no roadmap. It's one step at a time, but there's a willingness to engage, a willingness to step out and do something. And in addition to that, you see there's an abundant faith with both of these men because they both gather a bunch of people around with them. You see in the text, when you go back to it, you'll see that Cornelius gathered friends and relatives. He had a big group of people with him. It wasn't just him saying, well, I'll kind of just do this thing, and if it doesn't work out, no big deal because nobody else is here to see it. No, he invited everybody. He was confident. Confident not in what he knew, but confident in the person he knew, in the Lord. And you can see that Peter did the same. He invited brethren from Joppa. He brought people as well. So you have this great congregation of what what is called many people, many people that were there. And we can see, you know, when I look at this, I see a little bit of humor in this this, uh, account, this story, because you have God who knows all these things and is orchestrating all these things, but you have Cornelius who is just following what the Lord told him to do, but doesn't really know what's going to be taking place. And you have Peter, who's following what the Lord told him to do, but doesn't really know what's taking place. So only God is privy to all this that's happening. And um, if you look in the text, uh, you can see that um, Peter says, uh, well, I came without even raising an objection when I was sent for, and so I ask for what reason you sent me. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. And Cornelius responds, he says that he was, he gives the account of the, uh, the vision, and then he says that, he says, now then, we are all here, present before God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So I get this idea that there's this awkward silence happening, and only God knows what's happening, but Cornelius is saying, all right, Go tell us what you've been instructed to tell us. And Peter's saying, why am I here? And they're kind of looking at each other. And only God knows what's going to be taking place. And then, then it happens. Then Peter opens his mouth. He opens his mouth. 
and reveals Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, and that God shows no partiality accepting all who worship and obey him from every nation. It doesn't matter what nation, what ethnicity, what gender, if there's disability, none of these things matter. Everyone is acceptable who worships and honors the Lord. And I wonder at that time when Peter began to speak, not knowing the true or exact purpose why he was there, did he think and remember what Jesus had said about when the disciples would one day be arrested and Jesus told them, don't be anxious what you're to speak for. It will be given to you in that hour. Did this come back to him as he opened his mouth and realized this is happening again now? I'm being told what to say now when I needed it. Not in advance, not with a roadmap, not with a plan, but now when I needed it. He also had been instructed by Jesus, and Jesus had told him and the other disciples, I have other sheep. Remember this? I have other sheep who will hear my voice. Sheep not of this fold. They will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. And Peter sees this happening right before him. All of this coming together. So what's our application? What do we do with this information? Faith reveals itself in action. And faith is exercised without a roadmap, one step at a time. This is how God does it. This is what he expects. But wait, you say, I've not received a vision like Cornelius. I didn't go into a trance like Peter. What about me? They were instructed through those things. I didn't receive that, so I'll wait until I have that to be able to step out and engage people in my neighborhood, at my workplace, etc., etc. God spoke to them. Where are my instructions? But I ask you, has not God already spoken to us? Not through a vision, not through a trance, but has he not spoken to us? He's told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's told us to love your neighbor as yourself. A neighbor, like the Good Samaritan, action, taking action, taking a step. He's given us the Great Commission. The Great Commission, which says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right there, he's answering over a long period of time. He's answering Moses' cry, Moses' plea. If you're not going with us, don't send us. And what does he say to Moses, to us? I am with you. I am with you always to the end of the age forever. I will be with you as you go out, as you love your neighbor as yourself. Take one step, whatever that is, and know that I am with you. Be strong and courageous. 
the book of Joshua says, Be strong and courageous. Trust my promises. Obey my commands. Go. Step out in faith. Larry. So one thing we've learned in the book of Acts is that God doesn't simply work in the church through you know, elders and pastors and its leaders, but sometimes surprises uh, them with how he's working, the way he worked through Philip and, and through many others. And, and so we've, we've said we want to give you guys an opportunity to share what God's been doing in your lives and your hearts during these past five months, uh, what stories stand out to you. I've got more hot tamales if you'd like, and if you had a hot tamale moment that you'd like to share. I'd invite you just to stand up, wave your arms at me, and I'll bring the mic. We have one microphone, so I'll bring it to you. We have a few minutes that we can, we can do this. So uh, what's, what's God doing? What have, what have you been processing through uh, this series in Acts and as we look at the, the mission, the identity, and the legacy of being Christ's witnessing community? How's it affected you? Who'd like to be first? We talked about awkward moments. That's okay. <laughs> Anyone want to share a story? Hot tamale moment? Something God's been teaching you. Julie. Uh, you can sit if you'd like. Or, uh, but there's the microphone. Um, Nathan and I have recently become friends of neighbors of ours across the street. And... She talked to me because I went to a funeral service with her of another neighbor that had died. And she said to me, I don't like going in church because I don't believe in God. And then the husband said to Nathan just the other day, Nathan told him he was a Christian, he was a believer. And he goes, well, we don't believe that way. The husband's a former scientist. So it's been, it was the August 1st um, sermon that affected me the most also. And it's been put on my heart that Nathan and I are there and have gotten to know them just for witnessing purposes. So I'm really excited and nervous. Thanks. Sure. Anyone we can pray for there by name that you'd like? Yes, Betty and Daryl. Betty and Daryl. Father in heaven, we thank you for Betty and Daryl. They are your precious children. You are working in their lives and hearts. And thank you for bringing Nathan and Julie into their lives. And we pray, Lord, that they would have the joy of just feeling those nudges from you and hearing your Holy Spirit and, and give them uh, confidence and boldness and just a sense of your timing as what's the right way to invest in their lives. And, and keep them praying for them. Keep us praying for them. And we'll look forward to seeing your, your grace in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Crystalline. Hi, I'm Crystal, and if you don't know who I am, but anyway, so probably about 20 years ago, Donnie, how long have we been friends with uh, Frankito the Tank, Frank the Tank? 20 years, something like that? God, that makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't feel like I'm old when I look in the mirror, but whatever. So uh, we've been friends with this, uh, this uh, guy for a really long time, and we've walked through some tough times with him and his life, and... Um, Every time I turn around, I'm trying to plug in comments like, you know, Frank, I'm going to pray about that or different things. And um, recently, um, he called me and he said, hey, Crystalline, 
I got to tell you something. And so he tells me that um, something big that he, um, that was going on in his life had, uh, that had looked like it was not going to work out and he had, he'd had to retain a lawyer and, and he'd have to file an appeal and different things actually got approved. <laughs> and so I said to him, I said, Frank, can I just say what I have to say? Because I know what you're going to say, but can you just let me have my moment? Because recently I, previously before that, I, I had said something. He was like, ah, Chris, Lynn, stop with that, you know? And I was like, it is what it is. This is how I feel. The Lord is in control. And I'm going to claim that. And I'm going to praise him when things work out. So anyway, so fast forward, I say, Frank, can I just say what I want to say without you telling me to be quiet? You know, he was like, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then let me say it. And I was like, this is answer to prayer. We have been praying for this for months, our family and you, and this is answer to prayer. And, um, and he was like, yes, it is. And I was like, thank you. And I felt like it was for, for the first time in a long time, a light bulb for him. And, um, and then when he had said something else that we needed to, uh, that was he, that's happening in his life. And I said, Frank, I'm going to pray about that. And he said, I know you will. <laughs> and um, because of some things happening, um, God provided a way for other people and uh, other opportunities for people in Elam to come alongside him and serve him. And so um, uh, Beth and Josh uh, got to come alongside him and serve him. The Vanderhoffs got to come alongside him and serve him. And that I, I think, you know, I don't know yet. I'm watching to see how God's going to use that. But I think that was going to be critical in his faith journey. And so I'm excited to see what's coming. So um, you can still have those moments. You can still proclaim who God is because you just don't know what he's going to do. You just plant those seeds and let him water them. So thanks for joining in the journey, Whites and Vanderhoffs. <laughs> Amen. Jeff, would you like to pray for Frank and just the next step in his journey that God would lead him? Father, we lift up to you, Frank, and we ask that you superintend over all that you have planned. Lord, you know his journey. You know the steps that are going to be before him. Father, we ask that you soften his heart ever more toward you uh, because we know that you are the prize. You are uh, the goal for every one of us. You are what we attain. We're given eternal life, but it's only great because you are there, because you are the one that we meet, we see, that we enjoy. So, Father, that's what we want for him as well. And we simply lift up his name, we lift him up to you, and we're uh, excited to see and watch as you unfold the, the plans that you have before us. In his name, amen. Thank you. I think we're pressing in a little bit, but I think we have time for one more. If anyone has a, a burning hot tamale in their... They'd like to share. Okay. This Larry number one. Well, th this is a confession. Um, Meryl and I have moved into a new house a little over a year ago. We've got neighbors right across the street that we've become very friendly with. They're very good neighbors. Uh, the guy especially is a handy guy. He's always willing to help me. And um, a couple of months ago, I bought a new barbecue, and the thing came in a box, about 500 pieces, way over my head. So I mentioned it to him. He says, oh, I can help you put that together. And that guy came over to my deck and assembled that barbecue, 
worked for two hours. Did a mar marvelous job. And toward the end, he brought up a question to me. He says, what do you think happens when you die? And he and his family are of the LDS faith. And I could see what was coming. And I gave him a brief answer and changed the subject. I chickened out. And sorry, Lord. We can still pray for LDS. What was uh, the first name? No, okay. I'll uh, just lead, lead in prayer for, for uh, Larry's context. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you that uh, being your witnesses is not about us. We're not responsible for leading people just, just to share and be a witness. And, and you are the Savior. You are the one who did the work. You're the one who saves them. Thank you for that truth. And just pray for Larry and Marilyn's neighbors, um, that you'd continue to develop their relationship, that they would see your light in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just uh, the worship team can... Oops, sorry, stepped over. I was on your key. <laughs> Come on up. And just one last thing I wanted to uh, just re-emphasize about um, our giveaway weekend. Those of you who have been here for a number of years, we've done this two or three times before, and you may remember just the amazing... Uh, outpouring of blessing that we experienced just as a result of being willing to follow God and, and give it away. And, and Ryan uh, shared about the two needs that we're giving to uh, this week, today through the end, through Saturday. Any funds that come in will go 100% and be divided between those two needs. Um, uh, for Af Af Afghan refugees who are being relocated to the United States in the midst of that horrible uh, trauma that we're witnessing on the news. And uh, I just lost the other one. Haiti, yeah, the, the, um, bad, the terrible earthquake in Haiti, the second one in a very short period of time that has devastated that country. So please um, follow Ryan's teaching about amazing generosity and open your hearts and uh, consider making a contribution that will be made 100% to those. You can even right now, you can grab your phone, you'll be excused for texting in church. You can go to the church website, or the Church Center app, and just click on the Give link. It's a really easy way to give and do that. So, Crystal.